Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. All right, welcome back, guys. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Code. Today, we're talking to Dr. James Stetson, team member here at Physio Room. He is a performance-based chiropractor that joined our team a couple months back. And um, he's a CrossFit athlete, uh, 2021 CrossFit Games athlete. So thanks for uh, coming in and being on the show, James. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is uh, neat. Absolutely. Well, as you guys can see, we're sitting in our office here today at our tech center location at Physio Room. And um, if you're tuning into this on the video, but James, what I want to start with is you just filling me in, filling the listeners in a little bit on your background. Where'd you come from? How'd you get here? And just, uh, you know, paint that picture for us. Yeah. So obviously, you know a whole lot about me, but the people at home don't. Um, I am originally from Kansas City, uh, Kansas side, for those of you who know that it's split down the middle. And I came out here to Colorado because of Colorado. And all honesty, the mountains kind of drew me. Ever since I was a kid and taking vacations here and always enjoying all the outdoor activities as active as all the people are, it just is where I fit in. So I came out here for a different job, actually, and just didn't quite work out for me. It wasn't a great fit. So came over to physio room. But um, along the way, I went to the University of Arkansas for undergrad, um, had a pre-medical kinesiology track, basically, that allowed me to take a handful of different routes if I so chose and through a bunch of different experiences that I had at Arkansas I actually got to work in the athletic department as a student athletic trainer for three years mm -hmm. two for the football program and one for track and field so got to have hands-on with future NFL athletes Olympians really cool experiences with people that I didn't necessarily have like star shock to they were just fellow students like I was and through that, got some experience with orthopedic surgeons, neurologists, chiropractors, PTs, athletic training. And through all of those experiences, I kind of decided that I wanted to spend a lot of time with patients and I wanted to see actual change as it occurred and create relationships, which I couldn't do as an orthopedic surgeon, which was my actually, actually first choice originally, mm -hmm. probably more so just for the background to it and the stereotypes and you know, being a doctor and yeah. big price tags and all that stuff. But 12 years of school didn't really interest me and neither did short interactions with my patients and the people that I got to work with. So um, it came down to PT or chiropractic and chiropractic back then had a larger scope of practice, which since has gotten basically the exact same between physical yeah. therapy and chiropractic, which is fantastic. Um, so I went that route and headed out here and loving physio room, loving Colorado. And here you are. Here I am. Um, well, and as you know, I spent a little bit of time living in Kansas city myself. And I don't know how many times I had that conversation with someone about Kansas city is in Kansas and Missouri. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a lot of family members asking me, 
you know, where do you live? Are you in Kansas, Missouri? I'm like, well, I can drive about 10 minutes and I'll, I'll be in the other <laughs> one from where I'm at now. Uh, I too lived on the Kansas side briefly. Um, and I want to touch on something you said about, you know, relationships. And that's kind of what led you down this path instead of the surgeon route. Um, my wife and I've been together for over five years, not married for five years, but together. And she actually just asked me that last night, if I had ever thought about being a surgeon, being an orthopedic surgeon. And I said, nope. And I said, I didn't want to be a surgeon then. I still don't want to be a surgeon now. And I mean, primarily it's because I want my clients, my patients to be awake when I'm working with them. Yep. Uh, I want to be able to spend more time with them. And, uh, and that's what we get to do. Yep. Um, and it all comes back down to that whole relationships thing. Um, well, what we're going to do today, um, and of course, you know, the title of the show, the code, we're going to talk about health and wellness, fitness. Um, what I want to know from you when you're wearing the sweatshirt is what got you into CrossFit in the first place, or when did you get into CrossFit? When did that take place? And you know, how long have you been participating? Yeah. So I have been doing CrossFit for seven years now, and I originally got started in undergrad. Um, I had been an athlete all throughout high school. I was 135 pounds soaking wet when I graduated high school and played soccer uh, played baseball for a little bit, but my main sport was golf at the time. And through that, I I had the opportunity to go through the recruiting process for soccer or golf. Ultimately, decided not to. Um, more so on like a lack of wanting to, but um, kind of dismissed any opportunities that I had to play in college for long term benefits. Um, it just didn't seem like a great long-term choice because I knew I wasn't going to be a professional athlete, and but I wanted to be competitive. And so when I got to undergrad, I started lifting weights on my own for the first time ever, gained quite a bit of weight, pretty fast, good weight, but, um, weight nonetheless. And then one of the guys that I worked out with, um, his name is Brandon Harvey. He, uh, is an athletic trainer back in Kansas city. So shout out to him if he ever listens to this. Um, he pulled me into CrossFit by inviting me to a 5.30 a.m. class right after Halloween, if I remember correctly, in 2014. And I went and I very clearly actually remember everything that happened that day. We built up to a heavy three-rep power snatch, which I had never snatched in my life, never <laughs> even heard the term. And so I was learning it and I don't remember what I worked up to, but I want to say it was like 115. And I thought that was pretty darn good at the yeah. time. And from that, we went into a Metcon of lighter power snatches and ring dips, 21.15.9. And I don't remember what the time cap was. That's one thing I don't remember, but I do remember getting time capped and getting dusted by pretty much everybody including um, one of the female athletes who ended up being a teammate of mine in 2016 and became a, a pretty good athlete herself. Uh, her name is Janelle Schaefer. Um, so shout out to her. She listens to this, but she just smoked me. Not only did she lift more than me, but she lifted it better than me and she went faster than I did. And that was the case for everybody. So it's not just like a her thing, but like she and the way that she moved that day was kind of inspiring and just like lit a fire underneath me. It was like, if I thought I was this pretty good athlete, but I just got creamed, like, yeah, 
why and i don't want that to happen again so i kind of started getting into things and if uh if any of you out there go to my instagram if you scroll all the way to the bottom you can see some of my very early snatching uh situations that are fantastically beautiful um so heads up there but um yeah that's kind of how i got started and then over time i got into it a little bit more started to do it more often and did it in undergrad at arkansas I had a gym there, CrossFit 540. Through that, I started to get more into the competitive side of things. So back then, uh, a female named Brooke Wells, one of the best American CrossFitters now, mm-hmm. was a member at 540. And um, I was trying to work towards being able to work out with that kind of competitive crew. Yeah. And ultimately got to that for a little while before she left, I left. She and I never really like cross paths a whole lot, but um, I did train in the same gym, so it was kind of neat. But Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but from there, um, went back to the original gym that I started in and went to regionals for the first time in 2016 with a team there. And for me, I thought that was kind of the peak of my competitive journey, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, career. Uh, the CrossFit Games season kind of changed in its scope and like how you uh qualified for regionals and semifinals and stuff like that at that point in time i was i was not an individual athlete i don't know if i am still to this day but um it was very unrealistic for me to go past any of the large mm-hmm. competitions let alone qualify for them with how it was um and so i kind of thought my competitive stuff was done and it turns out that wasn't the case absolutely well and you know, you just said the word competitive, competitiveness again, and I can tell from working with you on a daily basis that you're, you're competitive and, um, 10 or so minutes already into this episode. Um, if you know, James, there's a good chance you'll get a shout out if we ever have him on a podcast again, because he's already <laughs> listed off Apparently, <laughs> like four or five people that he's, he's known and trained with. Uh, but what it sounds like to me, and, uh, and this has happened in my own life is, you know, you got into the, the sport in the CrossFit you got humbled at the beginning Big by time. some people that kicked your tail. Big time. And, um, you know, that's one of the funny things that like, there are so many different forms of being like in shape and fit. And if it's not specific to a particular activity, you could be a amazing swimmer, but you're probably not going to be very in shape for wrestling season or for basketball or track or whatever. Well, and CrossFit is one of those, one of those things too. Um, so I guess the question that I wrote down as you were talking there is like, you know, being competitive, and getting to the CrossFit games with your team, uh, which we'll have them on this show too. How do you use that like competitive nature to, to fuel what you do on a daily basis, even if that's not in the gym, just like how you conduct yourself in the office at home. Like there's gotta be some, some portion of like, how do you compete just in your daily, daily life? That's a good question. Um, I think just by nature, I'm a pretty competitive person. Mm -hmm in general so my family will shout this out all day long we one of my favorite things to do is play Catan, a board game for them and i get very competitive and they my mom and sister have said this many times that it's not about winning for them it's about making sure that i don't win (laughs) and now that i'm a poor sport in any way shape or form but it's just kind of like been drilled into me and i don't I don't really know how that happened, but I think that being as small as I was coming out of high school and just not, not ever really being 
anything special athletically mm-hmm. kind of drove me towards on the CrossFit side, pushing for something that seemed so far out of reach and something that I thought that I might have some potential in. Um, and I just, I, I take those same feelings and I want the best for myself as an athlete, as a human. And I like to try to project that into my clients and for them, they, they have goals and things that they want to do. And sometimes they feel like they're out of reach and it is motivating for me to get them to that point and pushing them and finding their drives to use and turn them into competitors, whether they know it or not, um, is a way that, you know, I can stay competitive because I want to make sure that they reach their goals and they can stay competitive because they get motivated by seeing progress. And if they're not seeing progress, then I'm not doing my job. And I don't feel like, um, I feel like I'm losing if you will. And I don't, I don't, uh, I like to say that I don't like winning as much as I hate losing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, don't like that feeling. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, playing board games or with your clients, it's what it sounds like to me is, it's not so much that you want to win, but you want results. Um, you don't want to just be like, you know, hitting the status quo, just plateauing. You don't want your clients to plateau. You want results to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I already sort of know this. Um, I don't know if all of our listeners know this. So I want you to share this with them. If you've ever been to a physical therapist or you've ever been to a chiropractic office before, you know that the service that you get can look different from one you know establishment to the next. There's um, many different types of offices. Every provider has their own little artistic flair on how they provide care to their clients. And I know your style, and this is why I said performance-based chiropractor when I introduced you here a few minutes ago, I know your style of chiropractic care is a little different than what I've seen in the average chiropractic office that I have um, have found myself walking into or, or clients of mine that tell me about the office that they've gone to. So share with me a little bit or share with the listeners a little bit of like your approach to chiropractic care. Cause I know it's a little different than the typical. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a handful of different ways that I explain this. I actually had a new client this morning. And one thing that I tell people is I am a bad chiropractor. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard you say that. Right. Um, I've heard you say the, that before. The way that I treat is more, hybrid style if you will more physical therapy rehab but there's still some modalities and sometimes adjusting but the way the way that I treat is I use an assessment tool it's called the selective functional movement assessment and based on that I figure out where we have dysfunctional movement where we have functional movement pain no pain and then from that stability dysfunction or mobility dysfunction. And then I match my treatment to each of those avenues. If we have true mobility issues, which tend to be the minority, that's when I would adjust and do the more chiropractic things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But most of the people I see have stability issues. So we're not firing our muscles properly. We aren't accessing our full range of motion, but we have the full range of motion. Mm And so it's a lot of corrective exercise, which is the stuff that I really love doing, which makes it so much more fun for me, but it also means that I get to spend longer periods of time. So typical chiropractic appointments for the most part and how I treated originally was 
you know, five to 10 minutes with the doctor. Maybe you're with another therapist of some sort doing soft tissue work or e-stim or laser therapy, something else. But it's very short with your time frame with the practitioner. And for me, in a previous life, I always felt very rushed into there are like these six or seven things I want to do with this patient client. And I just don't have the time to do them. And by that time, they're already out the door and I don't feel like I had done a good enough job. So when I actually came out of school, this was the way that I was taught when I went through the SFMA course Mm -hmm. was a very clinic gym hybrid type model, longer patient visits, more hands-on and building that relationship piece that we talked about earlier. So that's, that's how I always wanted to practice. And I just never had the opportunity until I came to physio room. And now I have the opportunity every day and it's amazing how much more I enjoy things, which then projects that enjoyment onto my clients, which makes it easier for me to help them reach what they want to do. So um, in the simplest of terms, I don't adjust a whole lot. I maybe adjust one of seven patients. Yeah. And other than that, I'm doing a lot of dry needling, a lot of soft tissue work and a lot, a lot of exercise. Yeah. And I mean, I, I get the chance to see that every day, mm-hmm. right? You know, I'm, I'm here in the same office as you and, you know, I'm a physical therapist. You're a chiropractor. There is a lot of overlap in what I do with clients and what you do with clients. Um, quite frankly, if the person coming in didn't know that you were, had one degree and I had another one. Uh, they probably wouldn't even know if no one told them. Um, and you know what I think, and this is what I was taught is like high quality patient care, client care is the more active the treatment is, the more, you know, the more beneficial it is, the more passive it is, meaning that the client's not doing anything, the, you know, the less they are able to take what they've learned or done in that session and carry it forward into their life um, to try and improve themselves. So, so yeah, I mean, that's how I explain your treatment approach to other people that ask me is like, well, how is he different than, than another chiropractor? And I say, you know, typically, and this isn't to talk down on any other office, it's just different. Most chiropractic offices have a very passive treatment approach, meaning the client isn't doing much. Yep. The provider's doing a lot. Um, but in your sessions, the client is doing quite a lot, um, yep. just like they do in, in most of uh, what people think of physical therapy, doing that active exercise side of things. Yeah. And maybe in like a somewhat bad way in this i don't know if this is a knock on the profession or not of chiropractic but i i almost want to introduce myself to people as a movement specialist Mm -hmm. physiotherapist and i do a chiropractor because it sets if i say i'm a chiropractor it kind of sets up this expectation in their mind of what that stereotypical chiropractic care is and that's just not who i am yeah um so it kind of changes their perspective just a little bit. And, um, you know, there are some chiropractors that are true old school chiropractors. They're really good at what they do and all the power to them. It's just yeah. not my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think we see that on the physical therapy side too. I mean, oh, for sure. Everybody has their own perceptions of what a thing is. So if you say to somebody, I'm a physical therapist, well, they may already have an idea of what they think physical therapy looks like because either they've been to it somewhere else or their family member has had it. And I mean, I think our version, at least that we do here, just depends on what the person needs. Yep. Uh, you know, physical therapy in our office might look like doing 
small movement types of exercises to, you know, get your glutes activating or recruiting properly. It might look like deadlifting. It might look like doing a box jump. It might look like teaching you how to breathe properly. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think it's just breaking the mold or breaking the stereotype on what people typically think of, or the first thing that comes to mind. So yeah, I, I kind of find myself doing the same thing. Like I don't always like telling people that I'm a physical therapist because then I know they're already going to have some picture in their head. Um, and I just don't know what that is. So yeah. I like to try to like change that perspective too. Just like, just like you said. Yeah. I'm saying. Well, let's, um, let's bring this, uh, conversation just slightly back around to the CrossFit side, okay. since I know we're talking about in the clinic and how you approach care, you work with a lot of CrossFit athletes. Yep. Um, what are some of the main things, uh, main, you know, conditions or injuries, so to speak, that when you have CrossFit athletes coming into the office, what types of things are they dealing with? Like, what are you seeing the trends be, um, when you're treating these folks? Yeah. Uh, typically, I would say the main three are shoulders, knees, and low backs. Mm-hmm. And typically knees and low backs are correlated together. Um, low back pain is typically not your low back. It's mainly hips for the most part, sometimes thoracic spine. But um, that's what I see a lot of is a lot of like either movement pattern deficiencies with just not having the right proprioceptive uh, inputs or outputs, mm-hmm. um, and then glute control when it comes to low back and stuff. And then just shoulder mechanics in general, we, as crossfitters, we go overhead a lot, snatching, yeah. you know, presses, uh, whole nine yards, pull-ups, really anything. Um, but a lot of the shoulder mechanics that we see aren't necessarily perfect mm-hmm. <laughs> and they don't have to be perfect, but um, a lot of deficiencies in like trying to compensate through other mechanics, core control. I mean, I could go down a big old list, but, um, I would say shoulders, low backs, and knees are the, the main ones. Yeah. And I mean, that makes, makes sense of the CrossFit athletes that I've treated. Um, I would say 90% of them have dealt with one of those three things. That is, that's what lead them in the office. Have you ever dealt with one of those things yourself from CrossFit? I know you've had a knee injury. Um, that I don't believe was, uh, from CrossFit, it, but it was not cross related. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I've had my general like nicks and bruises, uh, but for the most part, I have stayed pretty injury free compared to your average CrossFitter and even your average competitive CrossFitter mm-hmm. because of the fact that I put so much weight into moving well over moving has fast as I physically could. If I just like throw everything to the wind, not to say that I don't do that. There are, there is a time and place to do that in a competitive sense, but for general CrossFitters, I put moving well, way above intensity and we build intensity as we continually move well. And if we stay in good movement patterns, then typically we stay away from injury. So yeah. I've dealt with like little knee pains from, again, glute issues, um, shoulder stuff just from, you know, pushing the pace just a little bit too much and getting my mechanics off just a hair. There was a little strain and, you know, rotator cuff and things like that. But for the most part, I've stayed, I've stayed pretty injury free. Um, knock on wood. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, not yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, for me, it's all about moving well first and then let that dictate how 
you move intensely or speed wise, mm -hmm. because if you're looking for a long-term <clears throat> life of health and fitness, moving well has got to be number one. Yeah. And I like that lifelong part that you just touched on because, you know, if you want to move for a long time into your, whatever, however, whatever age you are, if you want to move into your thirties and forties and eighties, you got to make sure you're moving properly because then your chances of continuing that movement efficiency into your later years significantly goes up. And I know sometimes the competitive side of things, it throws a wrench in that. I remember back to when I was in high school, um, you know, learning how to lift and I see these uh, seniors and I'm like a freshman. I see these seniors in the weight room and they're doing their warm up set of bench press, for example. And, you know, they're throwing a plate on each side and they're doing 135. And I just wanted to do what they were doing. Well, I couldn't do 135 at the time with good form, but I wanted to do that. And I remember struggling through reps where, you know, they probably didn't look the prettiest, what I should have done. And, you know, what the coaches were, were trying to get me to do was, um, just put the weight on that's appropriate for you at the time. And by moving efficiently, you're going to get to that other point as long as you stay consistent with it. Um, so, I mean, I think that's basically what you're talking about yeah, is learn the movement first, master the basics and fundamentals, and then layer in the, the competitiveness and layer in the intensity. And that's what's going to help you progress. Um, so speaking of that, speaking of like progressing, layering these things in and ultimately getting to a high level, so you had the opportunity to go to the CrossFit Games last summer, yep. um, Madison, Wisconsin, my home state. So shout out, shout out to all you Wisconsin people listening. And um, so what was, I guess, your, um, your favorite part or your like most positive, memorable part that came out of that trip and that experience? And then what was like the biggest learning point? I won't say like the worst part of it, but like your biggest like takeaway in terms of learning or something that you can improve on or like the biggest challenge that came out of that trip to the CrossFit Games. Yeah. So for me, first off, I never, I never thought I was going to make it to the CrossFit Games. I still, in all honesty, can't believe that I competed there. Um, I just never thought it was in the cards for me, which might be part of the reason that I actually ended up making it, but that might be a another episode down the road, but my favorite, my favorite part in general was just being able to spend time with my team. I, I really cherished all those moments and like the times that we had in the house together. Um, there was obviously the four of us teammates. We had one of our coaches, um, or our coach for the weekend. She wasn't necessarily our coach, but a really good friend, Colby. Hey, how are you? Um, another shout out, <laughs> another shout out. And then my mom and sister, um, uh, mom and sister came out and coached for us. Um, they were kind of our support staff all week, weekend long. And uh, our our camera guy, if you want to say that, um, Trevor, um, was fantastic as well. And just having those nights after long days of competing together, just like hanging out on the couch, sometimes watching back our own events um, and just bonding together. We did a French toast uh, decorating competition one morning. I mean, that those are... Those are my favorite times, not necessarily the stuff on the floor, which was all really darn cool, but it was, it was spending time together. It's the relationships. I mean, we keep hitting on that point consistently, but that was, that was it. And then when it came to like the hardest part, um, that's kind of a hard question to answer because for those of you who don't know, the way that the games is set up is the games is very much unknown until you're in the moment. So 
most of our events weren't released until day of or maybe night before if we were lucky. And there were a couple that were announced to us within 20 minutes of going out to the floor to do the workout. And for us in training, we as a team only trained for five months together before ultimately going to the game. So we started training together right before the open started last year. And there were just some things that we didn't necessarily do together or have the equipment to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they were really tough. So one of the first events in the stadium, so our very first event was a swim and canoe, which was hard to prepare for in general. Um, and the way that it was set up made it more challenging, but we were somewhat prepared for that. But the second and third event were together and it's this massive sled called big Bob. And at first we had to push it and it was 1200 plus pounds. And then the second part we had to pull it and it was even heavier. And that workout, it was super hot on the floor. It was just a super heavy sled that you all push at the same time. So that's not something you can really recreate Mm -hmm. in training. You can do it a little bit, but not at those loads for sure. So that one kind of snuck up on us and rattled us just a little bit, if you will, but we kind of rallied as we went through the rest of the weekend. But that workout in general is, was mentioned as one of the hardest workouts that has ever been done team-wise at the games by a competitor who has been there since like the beginning um so i mean it was hard for everybody but yeah that was that was probably the hardest part of the weekend yeah it sounds like um you know of course you have to be very physically prepared to to even get to that point to to make it through the qualifying rounds to like qualify for the event but i mean it sounds like a lot of what you're saying is more the mental side of things mm-hmm. like you can't prepare is basically what you're saying like you don't know exactly what you're preparing for and there's an unknown going into it um and it sort of sounds like to me, assuming everybody is very physically prepared, who's going to be able to handle that like mental shock of like, okay, this is what I've got to do. Who's going to be able to handle that? I kind of think back to like a, you know, a football game or something like you can't control the weather you can't control what the referee is going to call if they're going to throw a flag or if a fumble happens. And it's like, who's going to be mentally tough enough to just handle the, you know, obstacles that come their way. Oh, yeah. um, so then yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And then touching back on, you know, what you said a little bit ago about what your um, favorite or most memorable part of it was, is I wrote this down and then you said it, the theme of everything that you're talking about, your background, your practice as a provider, your CrossFit games experience, it's all coming back to people mm-hmm. and relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, quite frankly, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with all the other people that you're around, which I, I think is awesome. Um, so Speaking of other people, to share some like a tidbit of knowledge or um, or your own experience with the people that are listening to this episode, when speaking of like health and wellness and the things that you have done over your training life and just like your life in general to take care of yourself and, you know, prime yourself to perform at, at a high level and whatnot, if you could summarize this like pretty briefly so that, you know, you don't say every little detail, but like, what would you say is you know, the number one or top two things that you think are the most important in your ability to perform at a high level? Like what are your keys or cracking of the code to health and wellness and performance? 
Yeah. So I'll give you two. Uh, the first one, and this, both of them apply to everybody, not necessarily to competitive fitness in any way, shape or form. And I, I don't necessarily think that competitive fitness is the end all be all, or even all that important. Honestly, we're working out against each other <laughs> the best we can possibly can. But uh, the first one would be just to show up. Um, not every day is going to be sunshine and roses and clear skies, but um, just showing up and staying consistent and doing the little things makes for long-term success. Uh, you don't have to, you know, PR everything every single day. You don't have to run faster than you did yesterday, but just by showing up and creating this 1% better mentality over time that gets exponentially larger. So mm -hmm. as you continually show up, you continually snowball effect into bigger and better things. Yeah. And then it sounds like a, sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. Uh, I mean, it sounds like an, an investing type of idea, yes. right? Like, you know, if you start some investment account early on and you just keep showing up and just keep putting your couple bucks a day into this, uh, your one cup of coffee worth a day, um, you know, that's going to have little gains on the front end, but it's going to exponentially gain on the back end yeah. uh, when that interest kicks in. So, uh, so yeah, that sounds so exactly like what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. You look back and where you started is not at all where you're at right mm -hmm. now in a good mm -hmm. way. Um, I do that constantly. But uh, number two is make it small, digestible tidbits. Yeah. And I, for me, this plays directly into like how I do nutrition with people is mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need to do these three huge life changes. Cause if we do that and you start cold Turkey, chances are you're going to fall off. Yeah. So just add one little thing per day. And it could be as simple as, you know, wake up without resetting your alarm or um, drink an extra glass of water or cook one meal this week. Like they don't have to be these big, broad changes of, you know, you need to work out for three hours a day, every yeah. day of the week. Now do 10 burpees in your living room. Yeah. It doesn't have to be hugely time consuming. It doesn't have to be expensive and fancy. Like the little things add up just like we were talking about. So small digestible bits that are constantly repeatable yeah. and then just showing up to those, uh, put those two together and you're going to have a lot of success. Yeah. Yeah. Have small, you know, small goals, keep doing the stuff over and over, do hard things and um, just keep repeating them. Mm -hmm. And basically it sounds like you're saying that's going to lead to the results down the line. Um, well, James, this has been awesome having you on. I know we're like a little bit up against it. Um, what I want to know is for anyone who listened to this, if they want to be able to communicate with you more or they want to find out more about CrossFit or how you can help them with their shoulder or anything like that, where online can people find you? Yeah. So the best way to find me is on Instagram. That's probably where I'm most active and I have other social media accounts, but I, honestly, I'm, I don't use Facebook a whole lot and stuff like that. So Instagram is a place to find me. Uh, my handle there is at James Stets, S-T-E-T-S. Uh, and then you can always shoot me an email, james at physioroomco.com. Mm -hmm. Those are probably the two best ways. And then from there, we can kind of connect and figure out how to further connect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you for your time being on here. Thank you for anyone that tuned in to listen to this for tuning into this episode of The Code. Um, connect with Dr. James if uh, you want to know more, have any more questions with him. And uh, stay tuned for a future episode where we have his uh, CrossFit teammates on here to hear more about their games experience 
and uh, in their side of the story as well. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks, guys.